Hello and welcome to This Climate Business, the podcast about turning the climate crisis into opportunity. Please follow us on social media and rate the podcast as it helps others to find us. I hope you enjoy the show. Auckland-based Urgent Couriers enjoys a reputation as an environmental leader. It was the country's first carbon-neutral transport company, and if you were in Auckland in the 90s, you'll likely remember its fleet of courier bicycles. Those bikes were mostly displaced by electronic messaging, but now they're back. Late last year, Managing Director Steve Benici bought five electric cargo bikes and set them loose on the streets of Auckland. Steve's with us today. Welcome to this climate business, Steve. And can we start by asking you just why you brought the bikes back? Thank you, Ross. They were to solve a problem that we had with the inability of cars to deliver efficiently and effectively around the central city. And that was caused by a number of factors, not least of all the central connector rail link, which basically stopped the flow of traffic around the city. So we were still using car couriers and a couple of bikes still. We had a couple of cycle couriers, but um, the car couriers were really struggling to get around and it was becoming uneconomic for them. They couldn't carry enough parcels in a day to be able to make a sustainable living and that's sort of part of our values is that everyone who works for us or rides for us or drives for us must be able to make a sustainable living. So we needed a different solution. We needed to do something differently. We couldn't just keep doing the same thing and expect a different outcome. So we did some research and we saw that in Europe and the big cities overseas that uh, there had been some quite a lot of innovation in electric cargo bikes, um, some really specific vehicle built specifically for the job of carrying courier goods with really big carrying capacity, um, watertight and secure. So we thought we'd investigate them and look at displacing the cars that we had working around town with these bikes. That's right. So so those your, your new cargo bikes are really very different from the bikes that you used to have in large numbers in, uh, oh, I don't know, 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah definitely. They are uh, they're purpose-built. They have a, a really big cargo um, box, big aluminium box in front of the handlebars, really, and then the front wheel sits in front of the box. It's a 260-litre box. It's watertight. It's lockable uh, and can fit a significant amount of, of parcels in a 260-litre capacity. So the intent was to make it easier to get around, uh, let's say, the central city or uh, the fringe part of the city, and uh, which is less and less accessible to cars. Does that actually prove to be the case? Yeah, definitely. The um, cargo bikes can travel at 30 kilometres an hour, which mm-hmm. is the actual speed limit in that central city area now. Uh, they have a range, they've got dual batteries and they're pretty good at going up and down hills and they have a range of over 100 kilometres a day. So they have, we have effectively displaced five cars with these cargo bikes in the central city area. Mm. And if you had to justify the decision to invest in these five cargo bikes to shareholders, what would you have said at the time? The key reason was the financial viability of the drivers and to keep them financially viable, we were needing to top up their income every day over and above what they could earn with the parcels that they were delivering. So it was becoming a cost to us 
of servicing the central area. Our initial thoughts were, oh, we'll just put the price up to the customers um, and make it viable for these people. And we thought, well, actually, maybe there's a different way. And that's where we thought, how can we keep the price competitive for customers, not penalise them for being CBD dwellers and city dwellers, uh, and still manage to maintain the service. So that was where, when looking at the bikes, it seemed to make sense. Mm. So I, I guess what I'm wondering then is, it, on a purely dollars and cents basis, was has it proven to be a good decision for the company? It's costing us less to have riders and bikes in there than it was to subsidise um, cars. So yes, mm. it's mm. before you take into account the positive sort of impact on the environment of not having an, another five cars running around town all day. Mm. How do you reach that calculation that you've displaced, shall we say, five cars? How does that work? Well, we used to have, uh, to cover the central area work, we used to have to roster five vehicles in there every day mm. to, to do that work. We don't have to anymore. We have one van that works around town because obviously we still have the odd van job that travels and they don't, they can't fit into the cargo bikes. Oh, okay. What is the use case for the bikes? So it, you, you've said city and I'm presuming um, smaller items. Is, is it as simple as that? Uh, it's not just city. It, it, we travel from sort of Greyland uh, around sort of Balmoral Road loop, so everywhere in Mount Eden. Um, down through Newmarket, uh, sort of shallow into Rimuera, maybe the Rimuera shops uh, across to the beginning of Oreki uh, and back in. So it's a decent sort of area. That was the area that our cars used to travel in. And mm -hmm. pretty much they can carry everything that a car could carry. Um, if there's 20 boxes or something, well, then we <laughs> use the van, obviously. They can fit mm -hmm. about three or four... I think it might be six equivalent sort of people recognize a, um, a photocopy paper paper box. So four mm. of those photocopy paper boxes can fit in their cargo hole quite comfortably. There might be five actually, but yeah, mm. we've had tested it out with various things. So yeah, there's quite a <laughs> decent amount of cargo space in them. Um, mm. There's some resistance from some of our customers with fragile items. Right. Yeah, like florists are a little bit unkeen on having their bunch of flowers stuck in the in the hold in there, which, you know, it's an education thing and we've been trying, um, but they're just not, they, they're very resistant. Um, and likewise, we have a customer that delivers cakes around the city. We went to the, went to the extent of buying a cake off them and riding it around for an hour and taking photos and videos and showing it and bringing it back to them and showing that it was still in perfect condition, but they're still saying, no, we don't want, we don't want the cakes delivered in, in the bikes. And so at this stage, we haven't taken any, you know, there's two ways of approaching it is you encourage them or you take a punitive approach and say, well, if you don't want to stick the cake in the cargo bike, which is perfectly safe in, um, we're going to have to charge you more to use a car or a van mm. because effectively mm. the van can survive around town because if they're doing a van job, there's a van surcharge and that makes it more additional cost. But when the van's having to carry one cake, that's not very cost effective for the van because right. so what, what you're pointing to there is one of those rare cases where doing the right thing environmentally is actually the cheaper option. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And and you know, if you think about the cost of the cargo bikes that are twelve and a half grand each, they are less expensive than a car to run around doing the same thing. Mm. Yeah, and okay, that's and that's the capital cost. I imagine on a per kilometer cost, they're a fraction of the cost of yeah, significantly cheaper. Yep, hundred percent because we're only um, having to charge them. So. Mm. So you, you've said that bakers and, and florists aren't hugely keen on them, but are there, are there by the same token, customers who prefer uh, their, their oh, goods, a, their packages? Yeah, we've, we've had bikes? customers come on board, um, uh, All Press Ex- Espresso, I shouldn't mention yeah. names, but anyway, Wool, a good customer. <laughs> they, go on. they basically they had a policy in London whereby – we were that they wanted to deliver everything on electric bikes, and so uh, we were actually buying our office coffee off them. And and we said, well, you should be using us because you've got this policy in London. Why why are you not um, doing that in in Auckland? And so when they a lot of it was education. No one really realised that it was something that was available, uh, an alternative that was you know 100% carbon zero or neutral. Mm, yeah, got you. What about the riders? Are they, are they- are they typical courier company employees? Are they used to be courier drivers or are they cyclists who have sort of somehow converted? Yeah, uh, there's a couple of converted cycle couriers riding them mm. and then the other riders are cyclists. It's not sort of car – it wasn't the car couriers that jumped out of their cars and onto the bikes. Uh, mm. Still, you actually have to be a reasonably skillful rider. They're not the – they're, you know, they're electric, so they're not. you're not pushing them up the hills, but – you still actually have to know how to ride a bike, and they're a different beast to ride. You know, if they fall over, they they're not the lightest things; they're quite heavy, and <laughs> right. so, you know, they they are a bit of a, a learning curve for them. I've, I've ridden one round the yard at our at our depot, and it was like there's a lot of bike out in front of you. That's for sure. Right. <laughs> um, do you get the feeling that? Uh... You, you're, you're leading a bit of a wave here that we can expect other courier companies around the country to adopt them? I don't know. I mean, we've, we've looked at introducing them in other cities. I mean, we're mm. potentially we have operations in most of the major cities, but they're mainly focused on um, home delivery and food box delivery, which is sort of more high-volume runs, which the bikes aren't really suitable for. Mm. Uh, we do a an on-demand operation in Hamilton, and we're thinking potentially we could have one or two of them in Hamilton because it's nice and flat. You could ride a long way in Hamilton without any mm. any any problem. Um, surprise me if we didn't see some of the other guys adopt them, to be honest, because they're a better way of getting around the city. Uh, mm. So, yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know what their thinking is. Mm. It- would you say that the courier business generally is very environmentally aware or are you guys just a bit weird that way? <laughs> um, look, we made the call really early on that if you run around burning a fossil fuel for a living, then it's your obligation to do something about it. And um, before we needed to, or before it was even really a blip on anyone's radar as far as a purchasing criteria, we, we decided to go carbon neutral back in 2007. We celebrated 15 years this year. Um, look, we have definitely dragged the rest of the industry kicking and streaming in this direction. I don't think if we, I think if we hadn't been doing it, we wouldn't, the industry probably wouldn't be where it is. I think we've dragged them along because 
you know, we set a bar and we've got a lot of our competitors at least talk about. I'm not sure how many are measuring. A few are actually measuring. Um, one competitor is offsetting as well now. So, um, you know, some people are talking about becoming carbon neutral by 2030. And it's like, well done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 23 yes. years late to the party. <laughs> And how how much of it is a personal thing, Steve? Like, I imagine that the kind of change you're talking about uh, very often starts with one leader. So, was this has this been a personal initiative of yours within the company, or has it come from other people too? Um, definitely came from me originally. Um, I back in the late '90s was doing a uh, MBA at Auckland Uni, and we had in a two-year course one weekend on the environment, which I thought was an interesting balance for a bunch of business <laughs> leaders. Uh, and in it, we were like, write a report on what your biggest environmental impact is. And, you know, that was a bit of a no-brainer for me. Uh, and I run around burning a fossil fuel for a living. So I made the bold decision to go outside of the the guidelines for the report and instead wrote how could I make us more environmentally friendly and so um, I got an A for my report so that was pretty good considering I didn't answer the question but (laughs) you know we did did a lot of stuff early on that was sort of easy making your office more environmentally friendly and things like that Uh, and then and so we were leading in that regard, but then pretty much all of our competitors started to talk the same language. And I thought, well, if we want to remain leaders here, we actually have to put our money where our mouth is and and look at offsetting. And so got involved with um, what is now Toitu, which was Landcare Research and its Carbon Zero program really early and just went, you know, measured and said, well, what's it actually, how many, how many tons of carbon do we have to buy to offset? And of course, you know, as the business grows, there isn't a pathway to completely, you, you can't eliminate the carbon footprint. So if you want to keep growing your business, your footprint does still get bigger. So it's about measuring your efficiency and how, whether or not your uh, ton kilometers is reducing. And, and when you're paying for it, it focuses your mind on it. If you're just talking about doing things more sustainably and you're not paying for it, it's still easy to make a decision that doesn't that isn't necessarily the best for the environment. Whereas if your decision means that you're going to pay for more tons of carbon at the end of the year after your audit, then you will be more focused on it. We, you know, I noticed that when we first did it was we informally encouraged people to buy more environmentally friendly vehicles once we started we were paying for our owner driver's footprint we provided a lot more incentive for them because it had a direct impact on us as far as what we had to pay in buying carbon credits at the end of the year so uh last question then you you've said that um you've been carbon neutral now for 15 years um what do you think the next 15 years will have in store for the business in 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 terms of your environmental direction um the biggest probably opportunity to be more environmentally you know to to reduce our carbon footprint is to replace our vehicle fleet out with uh, either hydrogen or electric vehicles and we've been watching that space really keenly um for our line haul and big truck vehicles, hydrogen's probably going to be the more likely answer than electric because you lose too much cargo cargo weight with the amount of batteries you need to run a really big line haul unit. 
um, and you know get one of those go flat in the middle of the desert road whereas you're in trouble um, whereas hydrogen is more like you fuel up you know what your range is you're going to get there and you're going to get back um, whereas round town electric vans are getting close you know within I would say within the next few years we're looking at a fleet of vehicles we have worked for Auckland Council um, that do set runs and that's the problem with a lot of our full-time courier vehicles is that they don't do set runs so we don't know exactly how many kilometres they're going to do in a day and when you are on a short leash of or a, or a strained leash of enough charge in your vehicle um, that is a risk and so they have to have a good 25% contingency over and above what their average would be because you can't have them going, sorry, I've got to go home now because I'm down to down to 15% charge in, in the vehicle. So it's getting close. You know, the initial vans for 150, 200 k's a day, that just wasn't anywhere near achievable range-wise. Um, now, and because a lot of the stats that you hear out there are based on sort of highway running where you get some recharge with braking and going down hills and things. When you're driving around town, you just really don't get a lot of that. You are actually just drawing out of the batteries nonstop. So um, I think that's probably going to be the biggest change as battery technology gets better and vans get more efficient that we will start to see some. And as I was about to say, the, the council runs that we do, picking up and dropping off library books, and servicing council offices are defined kilometre runs, so we could actually put some electric vans on there. So that's probably the next. Steve Benici, thanks very much for joining us on This Climate Business. This Climate Business, the podcast about turning the climate crisis into opportunity. Please follow us on social media and rate the podcast as it helps others to find us. 